Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. Today we have a cracker on our hands and it's a film that many have a great deal of respect for. And it just so happens to coincide with the film now being released on Netflix as of today, December 1st. Or I guess that depends on when you're listening to this podcast. But for episode 35 I'll be talking about Christopher Nolan's thrilling story revolving heavily around magic and a friendship that turns into a rivalry which then turns into an obsession. It's the 2006 film The Prestige starring Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall and Michael Caine. Every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called The Pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, a deck of cards, a bird, or a man. He shows you this object. Perhaps he's asking you to inspect it to see if it is indeed real, unaltered, normal. But of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called The Turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and makes it do something extraordinary. Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. Because of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. But you wouldn't clap yet. Because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every magic trick has a third act. The hardest part. The part we call the prestige. Now that opening line, believe it or not, I did it off by heart. Because I love this movie so much. It's one of my favourite films. It's probably my... It is maybe my favourite Christopher Nolan film. That's hard to say though. But yeah, this is the opening line said by Cutter. And that's played by the frequent collaborator of Christopher Nolan, uh, Sir Michael Caine. And this monologue is a double meaning for us as the viewers and, of course, the whole premise of this movie. And just before this monologue, this movie opens with an ambiguous opening sentence. Are you watching closely? Well, were you? Were you watching closely? Did you find this narrative unfold in the way you expected it to? Did you anticipate that this film would, in fact, fool you? Well, only you know that. Did you see it coming? Did you get misled? Did you have no idea whatsoever? Or did you guess the entire plot of this movie? The Prestige, one of many films to have come out where people now go, did you see the ending coming? On par with films like The Sixth Sense and Fight Club. And the trick to a really good ending is the build-up to it, the investment you give to the characters for two hours, only for them to dazzle you with a quick turn in narrative in terms of plot. And the reveal so big it changes the whole dynamic of the movie that you are forced to watch the whole movie again and realise how in your face those clues really were. This should come as no surprise if people knew what Christopher Nolan was about. If people did their homework, they may have anticipated this movie to be, you know, sticking it to your face in a full sense of security. The security for audiences is that they know what's going to happen. They understand the characters. That's why so many people love comedies or romantic comedies. They're, They're fairly predictable. It's comforting to watch. It's easy and you can call all the shots. Christopher Nolan, however, wants to be in charge until even after the credits. He wants you to revisit his production and realise how clever he was being right in front of your face. In my opinion, the whole experience itself when watching a movie is best done when doing absolutely no research whatsoever. These days, people choose a film based on the movie stars or the directors or how good the trailer was. And this film was fortunate enough to have a really big cast, enough to lure people in. You know, it, you know, it sort of casted and sort of attracted, you know, the usual skeptics around period piece dramas about two rivals fussing over whose magic trick is better. And it was important that this film lured you in. 
There are many films like this, not plot-wise, but the experience of a shock ending, a shock story, or even just a beautifully told film with mediocre stars who didn't have the benefit of a massive marketing campaign or established actors like Christian Bale or Scarlett Johansson just merely drifting away in a movie archive somewhere. But it only takes one person to see it, to understand it and love it and tell their friends about it. That's how Donnie Darko slowly became a hit. And it's why films like Shawshank Redemption became massive. It's the essence of a good story. And this is what the prestige is here. And this is what I'm saying. It was lucky that everyone knew who Christian Bale was. Everyone knew who Scarlett Johansson was. Everyone knew who Hugh Jackman was. I mean, Hugh Jackman just did Wolverine. Christian Bale just did Batman Begins with Christopher Nolan. And of course, Scarlett Johansson had just done Lost in Translation, arguably one of her best films. But uh, Donnie Darko, Jake Gyllenhaal, was uh, fairly unknown. And with Shawshank Redemption, no one knew who Morgan Freeman was. No one had even heard of Tim Robbins. Some people still don't. They just know him from the guy from Shawshank. But you can see it only takes one person to talk about the film. And then the rest is history. This film was pre-Inception and pre-Interstellar and the second and third Batman movie, all of which had big reveals at the end of the movie. However, if you did fortunately start your Christopher Nolan experience quite early on with Memento, his second feature, you have built up an expectation of what Christopher plans to do with his films. Time seems to be a factor in all of his movies, besides this one, in fact. Well, kind of, but as shocking as the ending is for the first viewer of this movie, it does veer off his usual trademark of time. I mean, Memento, of course, is told backwards. Inception time changes the further you go down a dream state. Interstellar, I mean, time is different from one planet to another. You know, spending minutes on this planet is years on planet Earth. Uh, Dunkirk is told in a unique structure where we see three stories unfold in different timings. And of course, his new film, Tenant, the word itself is a palindrome, hinting at the existence of a world where inverse time exists. So you can clearly see this trademark, just like you could see Tarantino's trademark in Reservoir Dogs, the long takes, the lengthy mundane dialogues and the shot of women's feet. However, with The Prestige, we are looking for this trademark, but we haven't seen it yet. I wonder if that's deliberate. We are looking closely for it, but we may not have seen it yet. Remember, when this film came out, the only, film, the only film people may have known Christopher Nolan from was Batman Begins, which was actually a really good and refreshing take on the comic book saga. This also bumped up Christian Bale's stock up a few pounds when playing the famous Bruce Wayne and his alter ego Batman. You know, this was slowly the driving force that made this film established. Not Christopher Nolan, but Christian Bale and even Hugh Jackman, who was, like I said, known for playing Wolverine. Nolan didn't probably get his cult following until maybe 2008 when The Dark Knight came out. And from then on, we saw his magic and then his established trademark in Interstellar, Inception, Dunkirk and Tenant. However, just like trademark, time sometimes is interesting when revisiting a director's early work. This film may just be more relevant than it was when it came out in 2006. So for those of you who haven't seen The Prestige, it's set in the late 19th century, I think, a revolutionary time for technology, electricity, and the coming of inventions that soon changed the world. None of this is actually relevant. It merely serves as a backdrop, but the focus is, the focus is actually explored with two assistants to an aged magician. Now, they start off as friends, but as one of the assistants' wife dies through one of the acts, the assistant blames the other assistant, and this soon turns into a story of revenge. They both become really successful magicians, both trying to outdo the others and the others' tricks, even by sabotaging it or by stealing it later on in a movie. 
but one assistant does a magic trick that the other one simply cannot figure out. He doesn't know how he did it. And the movie turns into his obsession with finding out or figuring out the secret behind this trick or trying to better this trick, which turns into this story of obsession, secrets and a shocking revelation. Now, it may shock you to know that this film was based actually on a novel by Christopher Priest, and then it was adapted by the Nolan brothers for the movie you see now. And I think the only true original Christopher Nolan film really is Inception and, again, Tenant. I think because those are the two films where he wrote it without his brother. I mean, I would argue Dunkirk, but Dunkirk is actually based on a war, but he made it quite unique, so I would put Dunkirk in there. So Dunkirk, Inception... And uh, Tennant are Christopher Nolan's own mind at work without his brother. So the novel drew some interest and Sam Mendes wanted to adapt the novel for his next project right after his success with American Beauty. So he just won the Oscar for Best Film. American Beauty was one of the biggest films that year and um, he wanted the next project. And the other interested party was this guy called Christopher Nolan, who Christopher Priest had never heard of and most people had never heard of. And Priest was very close to securing a deal for the rights of his novel to Sam Mendes, but Nolan delivered a copy of his first film, which was called The Following, which is a really good film. And remember, Memento hadn't come out yet. Memento was still in post-production, so the world didn't know Nolan at all, actually. Let alone his backwards linear storytelling of Memento. Anyway, so without Memento, just using watching his film The Following, Priest watched The Following and decided to choose Nolan over Mendes. The main reason from what he said in the interview was that he wanted to go over lesser director to give them the opportunity. And well, well, if it wasn't for him, we might not have known who Christopher Nolan was or is. So both Mendes and Nolan equally successful in their own rights, but you know, maybe Christopher priest had a part to play with that. But look, so I said earlier that the film sort of veer away from his usual time trademark, you know, however, that being said, the film does seem to jump from one timeline to another whilst deconstructing the story to bring in the audiences on the normal linear narrative. He does the same thing with Batman Begins when Bruce is in prison and we interlink it with how he got there. And that's juxtaposed with his training of Ra's al Ghul and also when he's a young kid and he falls down that hole. And then they all the stories meet just in time for the conclusion on the third act and then they all piece together. Um, but he sort of does the same thing with Dunkirk, but just does it in a more elaborate way. I mean, the editing includes 146 jump cups, uh, jump cups, cuts, not cups, in which the next shot either flashes back or skips ahead to another time period of the storyline. This averages to w- almost one timeline jump per minute per of the movie, which is ridiculous. So the movie came out in 2006 and it was actually in competition with two other films that were about magic. Um, There was a film called The Illusionist with Edward Norton and Scoop as well. Um, That didn't get much traction with studios, but it was a a pretty good film. That film also had Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson as well. So I was 17 when this film came out. So just before smartphones were getting massive. So I don't know if there was like a niche for for magic or something, but yeah, Films with similar stories tend to come out near each other. Like, uh, what was it? White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Two films about the hijacking of a White House came within months of each other. I don't think there was a film before or after that that did the same storyline. And the same with The Prestige and The Illusionist and Scoop without magic. I don't think there's been a film after that. I don't. I can't think of a film right now that's been that's explored magic as one of the main themes in the story. Um, maybe uh, what's that one with? Jesse Eisenberg, oh, what is it called? Uh, Now You See Me, that one, yeah. But um, 
yeah, one of the themes of the prestige is self-sacrifice. Uh, what will you, what are you going to do to hit your goal and what it takes to fall an audience? And in the movie, the, you know, the, the sort of, they talk about this real magician who did what we later find out Christian Bale sort of does in this movie and in a way, Hugh Jackman. So there was this famous magician called Chung Ling Su. Um, but that was his stage character created by a bloke called William Ellsworth Robinson. He was a white man who disguised himself as a Chinese man to cash in on audiences' enthusiasm for the exotic, right? So Robinson, and this was sort of briefed out in the movie a little bit. So Robinson lived as Chung, never breaking character while in public. And he died in March 1918 when a bullet catch trick went really wrong. And his last words were, my God, I've been shot. And those are the first English, it's the first English word he's spoken in 19 years in front of people. Ridiculous. But the movie touches on this sort of real life person at the start to sort of first indicate to the two assistants what it takes to be the best. The idea of being obsessed is a famous trait in many movies and in, in you know, achieving eternal glory. I mean, they, they do this in films like Whiplash, Gone Girl, Black Swan, amongst many other films. Magic tricks frequently involve the idea of misdirection. In order to create an illusion, the magician or the assistant needs to perform an action the audiences shouldn't see, and this requires proving them with something else on which they can focus on. And this is sort of what Christopher Nolan does here with this whole film. This is all one big magic trick laid out, as the opening monologue says, you know, three parts. Um, but it's not a beginning, middle, and end, but simply the pledge, the turn, and then finally the big reveal, the prestige. Now, with films, it's usually beginning, middle, and end, but as we know, Christopher Nolan's films, nothing is quite what it seems. The opening scene of Inception is the ending. The opening scene in Interstellar is the middle of the movie. Tenant opens up with the end. Memento starts with the end. So it's our job to keep up, because as the audiences, we are watching a magician. In this case, it's Christopher Nolan. And the misdirection is the, is these 146 jump cuts to different parts of the movie. And then now you're concealing the prestige. It's very easy to do that as a filmmaker. You simply just don't show anyone. But what would be the point of that? It wouldn't make for a great movie. So the clues are there for us to find. It's just lurking in the background. But through the dialogue of the movie, hence the opening line, are you watching closely? There's loads of clues in the movie. I mean, if you it's like watching Fight Club for a second time. You start to see things like um, Edward Norton's paying for one bus, bus ticket, not two, and you know, really small things like that. And you find these exactly, you know, these small details in the Prestige. I mean, in fact, Rebecca Hall, um, who has a line in the movie, she plays Sarah, who's the wife of Christian Bale's character Borden, and she says, "I know what you are." which wasn't in the novel or even in the script. And she felt horrible saying that because they left it in the movie and she thought that would give the ending away. But Nolan convinced her that it was fine. Nobody's going to be looking for that. Not the first time anyway. However, when you watch it a second time, it becomes painstakingly obvious. Again, early on in the movie, Sarah's nephew asks of the bird, where's his brother? Foreshadowing the fact that Borden has a twin brother. That's a spoiler, by the way. The whole big reveal at the end, by the way, is that Christian Bale's character is in fact a twin and splits his life into two without even knowing, you know. And it's mentioned right at the start of the book in the novel. So you know this big fact in the in the novel. But it was Christopher Nolan's idea who decided to conceal the entire thing right until the end. So I think some really clever writing there. And one thing I do love about Christopher Nolan is his subtlety in his movies. Even if it's so mundane, he does hint at it um, every now and again. Like there's a scene where Angie is on stage and um, he has to get a stage double because he doesn't know how Borden does the trick. So he finds this guy 
and he goes on he, he basically he's like this drunk guy and he goes i've played faust and caesar in the past interestingly both characters are destroyed by their own ambitions in life much like angier does in his movie so it's just another one and even with the bird trick where you where they crushed a bird that just foreshadows what angier does to himself with the drowning as well so that's right at the start of the movie so it's just a clever little nod as well and some criticize this movie for the use of sci-fi and not magic when angier finally develops a way to better borden's trick he resorts to visiting nikola tesla who of course was all up to all kinds of things in those days under the wings of thomas edison however i'm not sure he built a clone machine or perhaps a teleportation machine but i mean you don't know the guy was crazy and a genius at the same time and tesla i mean played none other by david bowie he originally declined the offer and so christopher nolan flew out to him personally to tell him that he was the only person he imagined for the role and that his larger than life persona would make the idea of Tesla building a teleportation device believable. And upon hearing this, David Bowie changed his mind and took the role. So, of course. But yeah, David Bowie, what a legend. Loved him. But the film, it's hard to compare with his other films because they're all like individually great in their own way. I think for me, this one, in, uh, this one and Inception are leading the tables at the moment. And it's the music that supports the tension over the scenes we know we need to pay attention to. And it's hinted by the score of the movie, most notably when we first see the big trick, the transport, is it the transportation man or the transportation man? Anyways, that trick. And then right at the end as well. I mean, the final shot, uh, the shot when, when Borden finds dozens of Angier clones and then reunites with his daughter speaks a thousand words. I mean, each man gives up a significant amount of uh just gives up a significant amount for magic more you know more specifically to better the other borden loses his twin brother and also has to cut his own fingers off and angier basically sacrifices his own life with every act they did whatever it took to become the best to be on top but i guess what sets these two apart from each other are their motivation i mean angier did it for the crowd he did it for their responses going to whatever means to doing it like most directors in fact they go through hell to create just moments for strangers and it started personally but then became an obsession something in fact you know to do instead of mourning his um his wife who he lost at the start and you know you gotta feel sorry for hugh jackman's character he's obviously he's often misjudged as the villain um and yes he does do some unforgivable things but in response um you know his wife's dying and this is way of handling it and Christian Bale of the biggest secret in the movie, the biggest reveal that he sacrificed his entire life, choosing to live half of a full life, is only motivated by his family, his daughter. And this is shown to be the final outcome as we finally see his daughter right at the start of the movie, since it's the end of the movie. The girl, however, displayed by Nolan as the mislead, uh, misleading direct, uh, distraction. However, when we get to the end, we see she's the motivation, not the distraction for Borden's character. I mean, this film has many layers like Inception, but uh, some subsects of the relationship of his rivalry and also with Cutter has this mentor slash father figure. But what this movie really explains or tries to convey is the idea of how secrets will consume you. And if the, sac the, the sacrifice for this gold, um, for this thing you're striving for to learn this trick is worth everything in your life. I mean, the idea being that after losing everything, do you project on something that will consume you? which is what Angier is guilty of, or like Borden, do you deny yourself a life because of a secret you're trying to hide? And in both cases, both parties have to ask, is it worth it? One ends in demise, one ends in a realisation that the secret is worthless if you don't choose to enjoy your life and figure out what's more important. I mean, it's it's arguably one of his best films. I mean, it's almost worth 
knowing Christopher Nolan for Inception and all of his later films and then revisiting this film and realizing how much of a classic it really is. I think it's sort of Christopher Nolan's Pulp Fiction. And, you know, his later films are in Glorious Bastards and Django. I mean, that's the way I see it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fantastic film. And look, that's all, that's all I have time for with the prestige. I could, you know, ramble on about it. It's hard to rate Nolan's films, um, but he is a fantastic storyteller. And I look forward to seeing what he does next. But yeah, that's all I have time for. But please subscribe to me on Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. And I'm also on Instagram, Film Exploration AH, or lowercase or one word. And, um, Thank you for listening to Film Exploration and make sure to tune in to Netflix because it is on there now and watch The Prestige. Thank you very much.